Good morning, Africa. Today, we continue our series on the economic performances of countries in the East Africa region. In today's part two of the series, we look at the economies for both Kenya and Ethiopia. Good morning, Africa. Welcome aboard your Pulse on Everything Business in Africa. I am Ruth Adong. For more, follow us on Twitter at The K Financial, and you can find me at Ruth Adong. Ethiopia's economy has grown at an average rate of 9.4% over the past decade. But the country has been caught in conflict over the past few months, which not only has affected investor appetite, but has also slowed down economic growth. That, coupled with a slower 6.1% growth in 2020, has had an effect on the country's economic performance. Zemadena Negatu is the chairman of Fairfax International and an economic analyst. And he joins us to speak on last year's economic performance of Ethiopia. So looking back at the Ethiopian economy for 2020, it's important to put things in context, as we all know, for the global economy and for mankind in general, 2020, because of the COVID pandemic, was a very, very difficult, exceptional year. And therefore, when we talk about Africa in general and Ethiopia's economy in particular, we put that in context. So having said that, according to the government's data, Last year, GDP grew by 6.1%. Africa had actually a negative growth for the first time in, in more than 20 years based on IMF data. What were some of the driving factors perhaps for the economy to perform so well? One is agricultural productivity. Again, you're looking at government data went up by 5.5% compared to previous year. Again, despite all the challenges. And the 60% plus of Ethiopia's economy is still agricultural driven. I would use exports as a proxy to reflect on the, the strong performance by the economy. For example, exports for the first time in several years increased. They went up to a record $3.6 billion, driven by almost a billion dollars in coffee export, which is the number one export of Ethiopia. Uh, com- uh, commodity exports, gold in particular, precious metals, gold and other things went up to more than $600 million from less than $100 million the year before. So just using that as, as a reference point. But and also you can see the government's very quick response early on during the pandemic of targeted, targeted stimulus or, for example, giving coffee uh, flour exporters a break on loan repayments. The hotel and tourism industry was also given a lot of support. I think all those things that the government did to mitigate the impact of COVID also helped. So you can see, for example, in tax collection, again, despite the global pandemic, actually increased last year, which was pretty good indicator of the end of the performance. Uh, so in summary, I think considering everything that went on around the world, I would say the economy had done well. However, and this is one thing I do need to highlight, inflation continued last year to be a challenge, obviously running into 2021 as well. So the number of measures that the government is currently has been taking to, again, to reduce the inflationary pressure, especially on low income and fixed income households. Uh, they've been subsidizing fuel, uh, encouraging the private sector to do local production, to increase local productivity, especially on food items. So hopefully that would help mitigate the impact of inflation on the population. So in summary, this is um, in brief what the economy was like last year. And uh, the government is expecting a better performance even than compared to last year into 2021. What's the way forward? Looking at 21-22, the Ethiopian economy, in my view, will be 
focused on a number of things. One is sustaining relatively high economic growth. The, the government is targeting over 8%. The second is, and not second, but just as important as growth, is managing the inflationary pressure. It's a delicate balance, of course. You don't want to curtail growth to reduce inflationary pressure. But at the same time, you want to make sure that inflation doesn't get out of hand and negate any growth that you see in the economy. So I think this is sort of the balancing act, my view, the government is going to focus on. In fact, they've taken a number of measures recently. The central bank has implemented a number of policy measures. Uh, the, For example, the city of Addis has put some moratorium on rent increases. And government has been giving subsidies and fuel. They're encouraging the private sector to increase local food production. So those two, let's call them the headlines, which is on one side is relatively rapid GDP growth, actually very rapid GDP growth of eight plus is the target, achieving that, but at the same time, reducing inflation. But those would be the headline. Beyond that, I think the ease of doing business that has been started last 18 months, my view, it will continue. I think there's a big focus on the government, by the government, make sure Ethiopia is amongst the top 50 high-performing, easy-to-do-business countries in the next five years. Uh, the migration to industrialization, which has been the pillar of Ethiopia's economic growth over the last 15 years, my view will continue. In fact, if nothing else, it will accelerate all those industrial parks. Uh, I think they'll start, my view is, start delivering on the promises that they have been sort of indicating for the last several years. In my view, I think Ethiopia needs to sustain investments in its infrastructure because that's one of the competitive advantages. Yes, there's budgetary constraints on that. As I said earlier, we don't want to increase inflation because a lot of capex is being made. But I think that also needs to give, be given focus. The continuous attracting of FDI. Last year was a very good year, almost $4 billion, the top end of any FDI in Africa. I think was, I think, amongst the third, the three or four largest FDI recipients in Africa. And that's been the case for a number of years. That needs to be sustained because for the economy to continue to grow and for Ethiopia to migrate from commodity exports to value addition, FDI is important. So it's still, in my view, the long-term fundamentals of the Ethiopian economy are still very attractive. Yes, there are some very short-term, very immediate challenges that we all know about. But in my view, those challenges will be overcome very shortly. And I, I would actually consider them tailwinds in the next few months. That means the focus on FDI, the focus on migration to industrialization, the target to reduce inflation to single digits and expanding GDP to the eight plus or even more, uh, I think will be the headlines in the next few months, certainly for 21-22. Also keep in mind 2020, 2020 was a covid year for everybody around the world, including Ethiopia. 21-22, let's call it a transition year when the world hopefully will come out of COVID, including Ethiopia in terms of its impact. So those are just my forecasts, my views on the economy for this coming year. Hopefully when we talk about it in a year in review in a few months, maybe a year from now, we'll see what the actual results will compare to my forecast. That was Zemedene Negatu, chairman of Fairfax International and an economic analyst on Ethiopia. Now, over to Kenya. Over 2015 to 2019, Kenya's economic growth averaged 5.7%, making it one of the fastest-growing economies in sub-Saharan Africa. The performance of the economy has been boosted by a stable macroeconomic environment, 
positive investor confidence, and a resilient services sector. But just like other countries in the region, real gross domestic product is estimated to have contracted by 0.3% in 2020. Analyst George Bordeaux in Nairobi expounds on last year's performance, and there is a reason for Kenyans to be hopeful about 2021. Kenya's economy performed as expected, performed quite poorly in 2020, largely because of uh, COVID-19. It affected a number of countries in the world. As you know, global GDP growth was on a deceleration mode. And Kenya was not left behind. So official statistics which were released by the national government after almost four or five months delay show that Kenya's GDP in real terms contracted by 30 basis points year on year. I think for me, that was likely expected. And I think if I do a deep analysis, but we will go with the official statistics. But I think that the contraction was, could have been much larger than the 30 basis point that was, that was uh, released by the government. And I think even 2021, it's not looking good. Even though a number of um, entities, including the IMF and the World Bank, even the National Treasury, they're projecting growth of about 5%, 5%. I think that the contraction is still likely to be around, in my view, in real terms. Something else to note about um, 2020 is that the government rebased and revised the, the nominal GDP. Uh, the base year was moved from 2009 to 2016. And also the revision also um, included a new area of the economy and showed that the economy was about 5%, slightly above 5% larger than it was earlier stated. So economy now, the size of the economy in general is about slightly over 10 trillion Kenyan shillings, which is in USD terms, just around $10 billion. So that's something else, which something to note about 2020 economic performance. Some of the key sectors that stood out, uh, held up the economy weight up was, I think the key one was agriculture, which now accounts for slightly over 20%. Uh, based on the revisions. And this is largely because 2020 was a good year in terms of rains, it went for record bounty. It's that's deeply contrasting picture in 2021. The government has declared drought a national disaster in a number of counties. So agricultural performance in 2021 is not likely to be a repeat of 2020. 2020, and the government has consequently instituted some mitigation measures. Some other sectors that stood out, so probably ICT. So of course, last year, there was a lot of um, uh, migration from cash payments to non-cash payments. So ICT still stood out. Manufacturing, some of the bellwether economies, uh, sorry, sectors that were under the radar of war, manufacturing, real estate and constructions were all under the water. Um, and of course, tourism. Those were the key, the bellwether sectors that notably underperformed, and for obvious reasons. I mean, it was a tough year 2020. It's still a tough year in 2021. Uh, what measures have been put in place that could revive growth to pre-pandemic levels? I think the economy would have to be naturally grow back to pre-pandemic levels. And I think that some of the interventions that the government instituted, especially last year, were what I would call um, a dog's meal. In the extent that they were short-lived, they're not deep and robust enough. So, for instance, the government cut VAT to 14%. The government unveiled some feeble stimulus program that's the size of about $500 million for an economy of $10 billion. That is not stimulus. Um, the government is still withholding payments to contractors and some providers. So, so you're looking at about the pending bill size. Now it's around the number of figures flying, but the last official figures puts it about $3 billion. That's right on liquidity that's being held. The government itself is having problems meeting it. If you look at the fiscal, fiscal side, 
um, I think that this year, turned the current financial year, which ends in June 30th, uh, and even into the next one, fully, I think that the fiscal deficit is likely to be around uh, above 10%. It shows you there's a liquidity problem for government. So I think this raises questions that there's been no measures that have been instituted by the government to, to take the economy back to pre-pandemic levels. That was economic analyst George Bodo in Nairobi, Kenya. In tomorrow's episode, we'll look at the performance of South Sudan and Tanzania. In other stories making headlines, freight charges for ferrying Ghana's cocoa to the international market for the next season have been increased by 5%. The adjustment, which takes effect from 1st October this year, was agreed on between the cocoa marketing company and the Ghana Shippers Authority after lengthy negotiations with 26 shipping lines that ferry the country's cocoa exports. The argument was reached at the Cocoa Freight Negotiation Conference in Accra. The banker adjustment factor, an additional charge levied on the shippers to compensate for fluctuations in the price of the ship's fuel, has also been increased by 1%. That is from 27 to 28% for all destinations, except for the Far East and Brazil, which have already been added to the freight rate. The adjustment has become necessary as a result of recent events in the global shipping market, leading to increases in charter rates, container shortage and rising banker prices. A look at the Rwanda Stock Exchange. Yesterday's trading session recorded a turnover of more than 366 million francs worth of bonds traded in 10 deals on the fixed income market and almost 12 million francs from 79,100 shares traded in four deals on the equities market. At the Mauritius Swan Securities, on the banking counter, 43,700 shares of MCBG traded during the session, out of which 25,000 were crossed on the normal board at 292.5 rupees. The stock closed unchanged at 293 rupees. Contrastingly, SMBG fell 3.67% as 76,400 shares traded. Thank you for always waking up with us. Good Morning Africa is a product of the K Financial. And if you have any suggestions or you want to check out more stories, visit our website. That is thekfinancial.com. And don't forget to subscribe. You can also find us on all social media platforms at the K Financial. And you can find me at The Dom.